0: Episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite best supporting actresses. My name is Nika Chanov, and if you have Tony Collette in Hereditary, I will raise you Martha Plimpton in mass. And my
1: name is Colin Drucker, and I feel so invasive. I know you need space. <laughs> <laughs> because of course, you have now seen the infamous mass.
0: I have, I have. I I couldn't believe, I almost like forgot about it in a way. But now knowing like how important this movie is like in both of our lives at this point too, it's like, how could I have forgotten that th- it was like released? Yeah. Like wide release, like over the weekend, I suppose too. And I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start, but I do want to commend you and give you like an a post like honorary Weston for being able to contain your thoughts and feelings for was it two weeks? Like how long ago did you see it? And not and to not say anything on the podcast or to me. I I don't know how you did it. Well thank you, thank you. I think I saw <laughs> it
1: at this point, the beginning of the month, I think it was like three weeks maybe was since the first three or four weeks since I the first time I saw it. So um Yeah. Yeah, and it just, ugh, I just have been waiting for this moment. And we knew that it was coming to the Pittsburgh area, the Allegheny County area, on uh, October hey, yes. 29th. And it was like, okay, I think, you know, I just have to wait. I just, I just have to hang in there. And then we can finally queen out. But of course, the whole time, then there was that thought as I got closer and closer of like, oh God, what if he doesn't like it? What if he's no. like, eh, it was all
0: right? Can you imagine oh. if I said that? I I don't know. I don't want to think about that. But I, I will say before we get into the meat of it too, I um my movie going sp- experience was lovely. It was it was actually my yep. second movie back besides In the Heights. In the Heights was my first movie that we saw. Keon and I both saw like post I mean, I don't want to say post pandemic, like during the pandemic. Uh and then this, and I went by myself It was a lovely experience. Uh, There were maybe five people in the audience, myself included. There was one guy that sat, like, behind me, though, like, a little bit, like, like, catty corner. And I'm like, you had all the seats in the world, and you picked this one. And it was... He was kind of sketchy, and I was like, I don't want you behind me the whole time. And I should have just moved so I could have, like, taken notes during the movie. You know what I mean? I would have had my phone. I should have just, like, booked a seat in the back row because it's all by seats now. You don't just, like, sit wherever you want. Yeah, it's Um, all reserved
1: seating, right?
0: Yeah. And I uh, there were limited snacks. I I wanted to make you proud. I really wanted that Bavarian pretzel (sighs) with uh, maybe some cheese sauce. Oh, my gosh. uh, Mustard if they had it. But uh, alas, they were, you know, it was it was so empty because it was Tuesday night. And I it was like I walked around the corner to the the concession stand and (laughs) there were like two teenage Boys standing there, like almost. It was like it was like The Shining. The girls standing at the, at the right. end of the hallway. They were just like waiting for someone, but they were so weird. And I, they didn't have anything that I wanted. And the only thing that they were really selling was popcorn and nachos. And I just, not. How do you eat nachos in the movie theater? You know what I mean? It's dark in there.
1: Yeah, you know. I. I mean, that's kind of my feeling with like the some of the theaters where you can have a full dine-in experience. It's like you know. I have a lot of muscle memory on how to eat popcorn in the dark, but like, I'm not as good at like a chicken sandwich, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so I, I didn't want to get it, even though I wanted some, I wanted something savory, I wanted something sweet. And of course, um, the Coke, you got to get a Coke. I um, mean. So I got the yeah. Coke and, uh, I got some Butterfinger bites. So it was, it was good. It was a, a decent substitute. You know, I should have just brought my own bag of chips or something like that, just to munch on, to have that combo, but um, I I loved it. I, I like going to the movies by myself every once in a while. I think it's like, it just, it felt nice. It was like I was taking myself out on a date.
1: Yeah, like this would be like the artist's way would call this an artist date, you know, where you yes, take exactly. yourself yeah. out to something and then it's, you know, and it's kind of enriching in some way or, you know, like, yeah, I'm just taking myself to go see mass. Um, So, yeah, you took yourself out on an artist date and <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I appreciate the, the snacks update because that is definitely part of the narrative. That's like my first question. That, definitely. You, know, you, you texted me before I could even
0: ask, which yeah. was uh, very kind of you. <laughs> yes, I rose to the occasion. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know where to start, Colin. I do, I, like. Wh- which, what do I do? So What do I do? <laughs> so do I let's yes.
1: see. So let's start here. So uh, this is, if you haven't read the title let me hear just fill in the gaps. This is the, the mass episode. Yes. Of course, you have watched it. You saw it you know, as of recording this, you watched it last night. Mm-hmm. I have seen it twice in the last yes. few weeks. So neither of us have taken notes on this movie, obviously, which yeah. would be ridiculous because we're in theaters and trying to appreciate the nuance. And, you know, it's a different it's a different level of deep diving. So my sense this week is this is really just like, a chance to just clean out on the things that stood out and, you know, some of the moments and, obviously, the performances. Um, that being said, obviously, to anyone listening, I know Mass is not widely available right now. To the extent at which this movie could have spoilers, this, w- this conversation will be abundant with spoilers. So if you want to go mm-hmm. into Mass fresh, maybe save this episode um, for once you've seen it. But if you don't, then, you know, come on, baby, let the good times roll. Let's start <laughs> with, I think, let's do what the movie does. Because what I didn't know going in, because we've talked about Mass, I've talked about it a bit on here, I've talked about it on other podcasts. Anyone who's kind of aware of it is aware of, you know, uh, Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs and Reed Burney, and, of course, Queen Anne Dowd, uh, as these uh-huh. two sets of parents meeting in a, you know, a church basement. Uh, and it's six years after a school shooting that both of their Sons were involved in in very tragic ways, and you kind of that's what you know going in and so I'll tell you the, the what I did not see coming was that then we would get best supporting Judy in act one i didn't i didn't know i was i was already like flush with Anne and flush with Martha that I didn't know or with Linda and um uh. Oh, Gail. Excuse me, Linda and Gail. Yes. That I didn't even know I was going to get a Judy to say nothing of Kendra. And so I guess that's where I would love to start was like, because I I purposefully never said anything about the fact that there were other ladies in this movie. And so I'm curious before we get into like the, you know, uh, the gospel of mass. I'm curious your feelings on these first and second
0: readings, you know, to go with the theme. Yes. Uh, of of Judy and Kendra, I know, I know. I also did not expect this, and I kind of love it because you just expect them to sh- like, you know, the core four, as as it were, mm-hmm. like to just show up in the room and and let's get this started. So I I very much appreciated the setup i I, did it need to happen as i was watching and i was like come on just get to the good stuff but i i do think it's necessary on both ends because there's there's a beginning of like the setup and the table and oh my goodness um brita wool is her name yeah as judy and if you don't know who she is uh, this i knew she looked familiar she definitely has like um um oh goodness uh She
1: looks like someone. shutting down.
0: No, I know who it is. Yeah. um, Oh, thank God. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Wow, that took me a while.
1: God, thank you. Oh,
0: that's... You know
1: when you get like something... Were you trying to figure it out? No, I couldn't figure it out, and I just had the sesame seed in my teeth for like weeks trying to figure out who she was reminding me of. And you're... That's a... Oh my God! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's Phoebe it's, Waller it's like Bridge. It's like if you
0: can't get Phoebe Waller Bridge, get Brita Wool, get and Brita Wool, get just as much nuance and kookiness. And um, I just, I was just as annoyed with her as I, as as much as like I loved her as much as I was annoyed with her. If that makes sense, too. Like I just think she was such a kook. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I was saying too, she was in um, season one of Unreal. And I know mm-hmm. I didn't watch the whole season she played. I think she played the lesbian who was, like, going to come out during the show. And I remember her. And I, I remember her from the show. But I, I didn't finish the whole season. <laughs> Shocker there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's how I know her. Did you know her before this at no, all? No,
1: I did okay. not. But the, the Phoebe Waller bridge of it all was made her feel very yes. familiar. And and I just I loved it. Like, before anyone else shows up, she's, like the featured she's the featured player and yes and it's so it's it's like from the olivia coleman school of acting it is all that yeah. you know, like nervous um oh, well you know oh you know and like oh sorry oh it's all of that that i so so many apologies and so many like being concerned about how the table is set up and how the chairs are set up and just like The, you know, kibitzing with the kid Anthony about the, you know, the mess left. Like, she's just. What I loved about Judy was like, I kept expecting some major twist that, like, oh, she somehow was like. In the same class as, you know, Evan or, or, you know. Yeah, uh, yes. Whatever Linda and Richard's son's name was, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayden? Because, Hayden, Hayden. Hayden. Yeah. Uh, I, cause she just had, there was like a depth or a weight to her presence there. To say nothing to the fact that, like, she's in the last scene. She's in that scene.
0: Yes. Oh. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's, uh you know, I, I guess an assistant to the BSA, but she almost feels like it's like this... I don't know, emerging new category here. It's like, she's not in the movie, but she is, of course. uh, Obviously she's on screen and I really liked her. And I, I I love, you know, just her centering that table in the room. And she bought bagels and she has, like, not thinking, you know what I mean? But I think in her mind too, it's like, that's the only thing she could do. She's like, I can't just like set up a table and leave i have to do something else and i love that that's what judy decided to do or that's how it was written i guess
1: yeah way too many snacks and i love when anthony's pulling the stuff out of the bag and he's like what's this she's like oh that's my lunch you can leave that in there like it was such a slapsticky moment and she it just i think some of that humor in the beginning like those little those little beats i think were i realized in retrospect how welcome they were you know um, yeah.
0: And I, I feel like just as Judy was kind of reaching her peak of like, you need to cool it. Kendra comes in. Yeah, which I which I love. There's sort of just like foil character here who is played by Michelle N. Carter, who's been in some stuff. You know what I mean? I, I don't recognize her from anything big, but she's been in like, you know, uh, TV shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. too. Her IMD- I was kind of perusing her IMDB, but I really liked her a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was kind of a relief that she was there as kind of a buffer between Judy and, you know, the the uh, the core four, as you said, uh, yeah. because it's just like, oh, thank God, there's a professional here who's going to manage the situation, you know, at least in terms of setting that up and getting them all kind of situated. But then um, I and I love how it's like. I kept thinking of this the whole time watching this as if it were a play and just thinking how like, Oh, it's so interesting. It's just these two characters on stage at first, you know? Yes, um, yes. And like, and there was like weight with their interactions. You almost kept expecting Kendra to snap at Judy at some point, you know, like I love that even these two characters who had nothing to do really with the central plot, you know, they had like meaning. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, and and correct me if I'm wrong too, because I I feel like Kendra did she represent like Linda and Richard? Was she just like sort of because she's a lawyer, right? She's like assigned to this. I think I, guess, yeah,
1: I, I, I think that she's like a um. I think that she's been kind of working mediator. with them like a mediator, okay. and so I don't I don't know kind of all the details, but she's been working with Linda and Richard since it happened, and I guess probably helping them navigate the press and navigate like, you know, lawsuits and things like that. Um, I would assume it's something like that, 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 you know, somewhere,
0: maybe it's like a social worker kind of thing, you know, kind of, yeah, in a way. And again, uh, this sort of attention to detail that, you know, Kendra has is, you know, and it made perfect sense, you know, Judy put the, the, the tissues in the middle of the table and Kendra was like, don't put it there, make sure it can be seen, but don't, don't push it because it just yeah. it, and it makes it makes so much sense to not really it would not be appropriate and yeah. the one thing I have to ask and maybe it just went over my head is the the pictures the stained glass like art projects of the kids in the like that were hung in the window was that just because it, like, was kids' art projects, was there, was there something symbolic that I was missing that would, they were hung in the room? What did you I think I assumed
1: it just looked like blood, like the, the red oh, hearts kind of looked like. I see. I assume that was a little kind of nebulous. They didn't, you know, they didn't hit on that very hard, but I guess it was like, uh. It, it, it's almost like that thing of, like, when somebody, you know, it's like if somebody's parent dies or somebody's a relative dies and then you like are trying to like say something consoling but you just end up keep you keep saying the wrong thing you know what i mean yeah And, and i felt like that was just like oh god oh maybe this might be wrong you know what i mean oh this might be kind of a proverbial foot in the mouth situation having this like blood red decoration on the window
0: yeah i get that i get that and Just the room itself, too. I love that because it's interesting because Keon did not go see it with me, but I showed him a couple clips and he was like, okay, this is. He's like, for some reason, I just pictured this, like, you know, two hours of people yelling at each other in this, like, dark, dingy dungeon of a room, but it's not. And I think it's so crucial that the room was filled with light and warmth and not that because the conversation and the subject matter is. you know, that take that checks that box.
1: Right, yeah, I think it would be, like, too heavy-handed to have it be in, like, some, anything other than, I mean, I think the juxtaposition of having this really dark conversation in this, like, very comforting space, you know, and I think, Mm -hmm. you know, even Judy says in that last scene, like, it's healing here, you know, and, uh, and I think that, I don't know. You know, we talked about this a little bit with the exorcist episode as kind of watching something having kind of a a catholic upbringing as a foundation. And there was yes. something about this movie where having like a having gone to catholic school, having a catholic upbringing, there was a sensibility about this movie. And I I don't even remember if this church was I don't think, I even think they were catholic. I think they were like Episcopal you know, that's episcopal. like a
0: line in the in the movie yeah well like, yeah it like, well it's it's an episcopal church well, it's
1: episcopal yeah, but just a church theme like just church people like there was just something about that where like I I don't know i it, it just i I can't even put my finger on what it was, but just it it left an impression um mm-hmm. I felt like I understood who Judy was because I felt like I must have met a Judy in my life, you know what I mean
0: Oh yeah, I I don't know. It's like what is her official position with the church? I don't know if she ever like says that out loud or if we find out, but there's a Judy at every church, you know? What yeah. I mean? It's like she's she's probably like in her like early 30s or something like that. Not married yet, but like pretty enough, but also really heavily involved with the church and just kind of throws her life into that, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think all of this is set I think in Ohio, and so there really is mm-hmm. a Sweet Midwestern, you know, kind of you know just wants to be accommodating. Yeah. Even with Kendra, yes. Kendra's like, oh, "I'm just gonna do some work in the car." She's like, "Oh no, come hang out with us!" You know, like oblivious that Kendra does not want to be yep with anybody, and I'm just like, "Oh no, that sounds so lonely. You should hang out with us." Like, there's a a real sweetness or heart is in the right place quality with Judy, and I think there's something about like her presence in that last scene. And like even her having that line of like, there's something healing about this place that I liked that she was by our last impression of Judy was not that she was like a total dodo, you know?
0: Yeah, it's she toes that line of dodo, too, because yeah. it's just like, all right, this girl needs to cool it. But it's like she's just nervous enough and just sort of dodo enough, but also smart enough and also self-aware enough it's like this perfect balance of all of those things that yeah she was great she was She's so great. great and so needed and I again I l- will get to that last scene but I just love that her and Anthony both were just sort of stuck in that scene with them and yeah that they just you know held their ground and and they both knew that that's what they had to do that was their only job in that scene
1: I just love that. I, I mean, yeah, like the presence of like supporting characters in them in like potentially the most important scene. I just love that. Yeah. yeah. So that they're kind of our warm up act. And then we meet Gail and Jay in the car first, mm-hmm. um, Martha mm-hmm. Plimpton and Jason Isaacs. And I mean, it's. I would let... I, it's like to say, you know, give me your thoughts on Martha Plimpton. I mean, maybe let's start with... Because that's a, that's a loaded question. Let's start with yeah. give me your thoughts on Jason Isaacs.
0: I I want to start by saying that I I did a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of research and scrounging around the internet today and in, in some gold derbying, if that's a, you know, a verb, mm-hmm. to just see what what other people... What are, what are people thinking about this too? And it's interesting because i you know in a movie with four people it it just seems very logical like leading supporting leading supporting i guess yep. um and i i i think of him as more of a lead actor but you know the predictions are putting him in a, in the supporting category and and what do you think of that just with jason i guess
1: yeah now. that's a great question because i think that is like I, in my mind, I think of Jay and Gail as the lead, as Martha and Jason as lead, and Anne and Reed as supporting. And it's like, in terms of like screen time, it's like a hair mm-hmm. difference. I mean,
0: yeah, it, yeah it's yeah.
1: not that much more, I guess, in terms of like when I think of these characters, when I think of, like to me, I mean, I guess it's all because like. Linda then becomes like the BSA of the four, but in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. Gail to me is the main character and is the lead of the movie. I mean, it all yeah. comes down to Gail. So even from that point of view, like narratively, I, I think this is you know first and foremost, this is about Gail coming to terms with forgiveness. This is from yeah. that very first conversation. So the, the the long way of saying to answer your question, I see it as as jason isaacs would be in the lead category
0: yeah i i do there is something to kind of finish that thought too that Anne and martha both are being put in the supporting category as oh. far as like buzz and stuff which is interesting really? to me yeah uh, and this again this it's really like gold derby heavy sure i didn't really go to many other websites um To kind of do that research but you know it's just like the editors and like the what do they call like the professionals or the experts that they call them on Mm -hmm. Derby and I I, I was interested in that sort of um, in that placement of you know going back to Jason Isaacs too but I was so impressed by him. I, I I only know him as playing Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies and um and he's great in that. but there is something so pitch perfect about his casting in this. and I know you and I were texting about um what he's wearing, that like dingy brown shirt that's like untucked and and you mentioned the shoes the oh, like the,
1: the, the dirty tennis sneakers. i it's yeah. I read a review of this that was talked about how Jay was, especially back in the day, it was probably understood that Jay was the most good looking of all the dads. He was the hot dad. For sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Still and, is. In my and opinion. still
1: is. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I would not kick him out of bed for wearing dirty
0: tennis sneakers. Those eyes. Paul Hollywood eyes, really.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, but, but I love that, like, what he is now is that hot dad six years into like the worst chapter of his life you know what i mean and that it the eyes are still there you know The, the the chiseled features are still there but they're underneath a bit more of a hang dog expression and a week of you know facial fair facial hair growth and these schlubby clothes and those terrible sneakers like i agree i think the casting is brilliant because with jason isaacs you're both seeing who he is now and the suggestion of who he was
0: yeah, um, and to quote Julianne Moore, I'm terrified. I oh. really, I just like I <laughs> <laughs> like I am terrified. I'm turned on. I'm everything in between by him, and I, 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 I just love that he is not giving you what you think he's going to give at first because mm-hmm. you think he is going to just you know reach across the table and just choke Reed Bernie to death. R- uh, Richard, right? Richard. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But he and, and ways too. It's like, um, Gail is the one. It's like he's he's sort of the he's putting the lid back on the pot every time, yes. Gail. You know, every time it starts to the boil over a little bit too. And he's he's they had a game plan. And I love even from the very first shot, um, you know, Gail Martha Plimpton is she she needs a minute, she needs to get out of there for a second. And they, I feel like they just drive, you know, a couple miles down the road. And I love that he just does it. He doesn't question it. It's mm-hmm. like they they have survived. And I think that there's something really important about the fact that Gail and Jay are together and Richard and Linda are not. Because I I, fe- I just feel so often that like n- both parties would be divorced and separated because it's just, you know, when something horrific like that happens, it's, it's next to impossible. So I love that they, they're still on the same page and together and Come in with a game plan, I guess. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, Gail and Jay, that marriage <sighs> is, oh, uh, God, I'm like, ah, uh, I can't even, like, it is so, it is one of the most realistic marriages I've ever seen in a movie. And like, I just feel like I can see, like, these are two people who have gone through hell and have probably had just, you know, wanted to, Breakup, you know what I mean? Probably wanted to divorce, like probably have, have faced all of that. And they look so war torn at this point. Mm-hmm. And they look, I love how they both, and you can see it with Gail as well. You can see that you could see the vibrant version of them. I mean, like we obviously we see a more vibrant version of them because we've seen Martha Plimpton and Jason Isaacs look a lot happier than they do in this movie. But yeah. again, I think you can kind of see who Gail was as you know 6 years ago and like what this has done to her and i and i you and i think what's so, what's most beautiful about it and obviously we see this play out in the movie and like that climactic monologue is like the way that they have just through it all have just like remained at each other's sides like through like yeah. it's just You know, and I know we'll get into it in detail, but when she has that last monologue, but before she starts, she like reaches out to him and she's like, Jay, Mm -hmm. I just, no, just come here. I just need you here. Like, that is so powerful that if like, I just, if I'm going to do this, you have to sit here with me. It's, oh God, I love the two of them. I just,
0: ugh. I know. There is no question from like the moment you see them on screen to the very last like minute of the movie that they, it truly feels like this has happened to them. Mm-hmm. You never question it. There is not one shred of like, "Oh, you're acting now." No, it absolutely. is like it is two of the most like lived-in performances I've ever seen. Yeah, on film. And I know we're gonna get to Martha, and 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 maybe we'll go to Reed next. I don't know where where we'll go, but um, I I am just and, and to to really kind of wrap up, I guess, Jason, the initial thoughts too. It's like I. I'm I'm going to go on like a little tangent here, but mm-hmm. like, I think one of the most common misconceptions about this film, and I, I felt I was in this uh, school of thought too, was like, this is going to be so heavy. This is going to be, you know, like I just need to like prepare myself for this. And it is heavy. Like I'm not saying otherwise, but the writing it, like I think because they come in and because Jay and Gail have done the work and they've gone to therapy that it never yes it's explosive but it's explosive in a different kind of way do you know what I mean by that Mm -hmm. I don't I don't does that make sense like I
1: this is not who's afraid of Virginia Woolf
0: yes it's not Mm -hmm. and it's like they they know the terms they know why you know they know the rules of the game that they're playing if you want to call it a game but like they know that they're not there to yell and scream even though they might do that like i think even with jason isaac's like big uh, sort of moment i guess Mm -hmm. that it's it's not it's not violent it's not scary it is just him completely showing how shattered he truly is yeah Um, yeah yeah I,
1: i was i i think what's interesting is that like the any of the yelling or the emoting it's as much as possible as they're trying, it doesn't come from being combative, but just comes from mm-hmm. like, well, you just dug your fingernail into that wound. You know what I mean? We're going to rip open yep. this scab. Like it just becomes inevitable. Like in the same way, when Linda starts crying early on, it's almost like, it just seems natural that at some point, Jay is going to get frustrated, especially with the way that Richard is acting. Like, I think that's, yeah. uh, and, I, and it's like, because, it, you know, and I think that that does lead to, let's talk about Reed Bernie, and obviously we can go back to yep. Jason, but I I think he has a really hard job on this movie. I think it is, the, it is the least emotional performance on purpose. It is very, like, you know from the start that he doesn't want to be there. And what I think is so perfect about him is that Jay more than Gale, it's like Jay it's one thing for Linda to break down and to cry, but I don't, I think Jay would feel a certain satisfaction if Richard really broke down and cried. Like, I, I think it's like, I need you to admit that you had some part in this because it's like, Linda is like, if you weren't sitting here, Linda would probably, and we see it by the end. Oh my God. Mm -hmm, We see it by the end mm -hmm, that if you're mm -hmm. not here, Linda will be like, yeah, I, I had to have some part of this, you know, like, oh, we'll get to that speech. But like, um, I think that that's what's so interesting about Richard being so obtuse is that it prevents the kind of closure that I think Jay thinks he needs. And I think Gail is almost beyond that. Like I think she's given up on getting that kind of pound of flesh and it's like that won't, eat, and I think that's what her speech is about in the end of like I have to we have to forgive them, like we just that's the only way we we're gonna come back to life, you know, and yep. like Richard being broken won't make won't help Jay and Gail heal,
0: you know, yeah, but Jay doesn't know that yet,
1: no, I feel like jay it's interesting that Jay has gone down this path of it seems like he's gotten really involved in like probably like one of the parents that we see from Sandy Hook, you know that will sure. speak at certain events or will you know just. Become sort of a public figure when it comes to gun control and and school mm-hmm. shootings and whatnot, and it sounds like Jay started to get really involved in that, and like that makes sense to me. Of like, he's quote unquote doing all the right things, uh, you know, to kind of deal with this. And I think Gail is kind of taking this longer form approach of like eventually arriving at forgiveness. You know, like that's what's really going to heal us trying to change gun control laws isn't really going to heal what happened to Gail and Jay.
0: Yeah. I, I, that line of that Jay says about like, I, I don't get pleasure from it. I don't get pleasure talking, you know, going and making these, uh, you know, these lectures or whatever you would like to call them, but he doesn't know what else to do. I, yeah. I think that that's, that, that is the only thing that's really keeping him for lack of it. Like, from uh, not ending at all. I right. Guess, you know, right. like it's there, there are some, I, and I guess it's, I think, you know, I really tried to think, and maybe you can help me with this too, but like, I, I feel like, um, you know, if we were talking to Ann Dowd here, it's like, what what is everyone's objective when they go into this conversation? And I think with, with Gail, it's looking, she's looking for her own forgiveness, I guess. She's looking to see if she can forgive Not, I'm, That's like, I almost don't want to jump ahead to that too, but I'll just leave it at that. But I I think that Jay is kind of looking for an explanation, I guess, or like, cause he's, he has all this data. He, you know, the brain scans and like, you could have Mm -hmm. spotted this and like uh, a sort of omission of guilt and that you fucked up as parents. I need you to, I I need you to say that I need to hear it from you because that's the only, that's what he thinks is going to help him. Yeah, and... I think that
1: resolution of knowing where did this come from and I think that is the challenge that Linda in particular and, and Richard are presenting is like you know, could we have missed something here and there? Absolutely, but like, we don't even know where we fucked up. We thought we were doing mm-hmm. it and like was it because we moved? Was it because of the video games? Was it because of this like there's no way to know and yet at the same time I can understand someone like Gail and Jay being, what the fuck do you mean? There's no way you knew. How could you not know? And that's what I think makes Linda's speech at the end so fucking powerful was like, I would have known then. Then I would have known. And it's like, oh God, that is awful to know that like, if I just fully, if I didn't give into fear, if I wasn't afraid of my son, And I faced how awful he was. Maybe I would have known, and I would have seen it, and maybe things would have been different. But like, then you have to admit that your son is a monster. I mean, like that's—it's funny. I feel like this dovetails with that movie and that book. We need to talk about Kevin, you know, (laughs) Kevin, Um. Kevin. But it's that (laughs) same idea of like, where does that evil come from? You know. Um, So yeah, I yeah. uh, So yeah, so I think that that's like. What G, what Jay is seeking is like, you know. Yeah, I need an answer. I need to know that you had a, a a part in this, and I think Richard won't admit it. And I think at the very end, Linda says, "Well, I guess we could have, but this is the sacrifice I'd have to make to then know." You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back to Reed Bernie, I, I I totally agree. This is this is it's in ways probably the most difficult role. Like they're all doing heavy lifting. Let me, let me just say that too. But like, it is not um, showy. He doesn't get to break down. In fact, I, I, he doesn't, like you said, he, I don't think he wants to be there. I think that he is, you know, it's the fact that him and, uh, you know, Richard and Linda are separated. I think he just wanted to withdraw, withdraw from the situation. I think that, like, whatever healing or lack thereof he's done on his own or with a therapist, I think he's just, he's a lone soldier, I guess. I I, I don't, I think he just wants it to all be over with. But at the same time, like, the shame that he feels and the guilt that he feels is also really, for me, it was really apparent because it's like, you know when you did something so wrong and... And you just, you're like, yep, I did that. Yep, I know. I know. I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, There's, like, a moment where he says that. He's like, yes, I know. Anything you could have, you have thought or, like, criticized, like, I have done that to myself, like, tenfold. You don't need to tell me what I already know about myself. And I think that's part of his frustration with Jay because that's exactly what Jay wants.
1: Yeah. R- Richard is that kind of guy where it's like, I'm going to do this grieving I- by myself in the bedroom when no one else is around and no one is going to see or hear mm-hmm. all of those awful thoughts. Like no one is, I'm going to experience this reckoning on my own. And I have to believe that that was part of the reason that he and Linda divorced because yeah. she clearly wants to process things. And mm-hmm. you're totally right. That's like the exact, the exact thing that Richard has spent the last six years Compartmentalizing is what Jay is after. It's like he's looking for the marrow and the bone, and I don't even think Richard has that for Jay. I think there's no marrow in that bone. I I don't yeah. think there is a simple answer of like, here's where we fucked up. Here's here where it was our fault. You know. Um. Yeah. I I think it, you, in some ways, I I I wonder that if they even had that, would would Richard be willing to just hand that over just to be done with it? You know.
0: Yeah it's like there's some there's so much of me that just feels like just thinking more about reed bernie as an act like he's a good actor but like it's like i think the character of richard doesn't belong in this room like and you can mm-hmm. tell and i think that is why you know he sticks out because of that and like maybe to the untrained eye you're like oh well he, may, he you know you know these other three or so you know are, are better actors than he is or that you know they had these moments and he wasn't giving us anything too but like that's that's just not how it was written at the same time yeah. either um and it's 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 difficult
1: and i think with him there's a lot with richard there's a lot in the ways that he will correct linda on things or the way that he'll negate something she says and you know linda will just kind of look at him while he's saying something like a lot of with richard is in the subtext and it's in between what he says i think it's it's really uh it's a fascinating performance in like that he he doesn't get the privilege that jason isaacs and martha plimpton and ann dowd get of like letting off some steam of letting it out You know, and I think that's harder to maintain in some ways. So it's, um, you know, as an actress sexual, it's 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 very vanilla. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking for like hardcore Martha Plimpton, you know, but I respect like what that how much work that is to play that character.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: I think, where to next? They don't I don't even mean, know. Where, it's like, ooh, it's like, oh. So you know, I I feel actually that I think now is when we should talk about Anne Dowd because I think okay, okay, that this my feeling like that's that feels appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. so. Give we haven't we've kind of we've we haven't really said anything about her. i I, I avoided saying things. I didn't want to qualify anything, and we haven't talked to her yet in this episode. So, give me your feelings on Linda.
0: <sighs> oh, first, I do have to say real quick that I found on YouTube today, to my great pleasure, that um someone recorded that q and a at the Angelica. Um oh uh, that night you were there so oh. it's available on YouTube it is through the Angelica theaters is that what it's called right Angelica yeah
1: the Angelica <laughs> film center or something like that yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah um it's it's on their like official YouTube channel and it's it's well made the sound is great everything that you described was spot on and oh. you even get to hear her say, I feel so invasive. It's beautiful. We oh meet my. Joe, like the microphone. So I, that was really oh, cool. Oh, it's I that like, one. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it's oh, actually that one. Yes. Because
1: I wasn't sure. Because there was uh, someone, uh, one of our, our listeners named Alex, we've been emailing. And he was actually at the 7 p.m. viewing or the screening and was the oh. Q&A after. And he said, oh, yeah, it was, you know, some of the same stuff but i wasn't so that's so great that you actually get to see i feel so I invasive i know you need space
0: <laughs> oh gosh it was it was it was exactly as you described it and her handing her mic off and oh, talking that's... to joe <laughs> thank you joe
1: oh i'm am so really glad you got to like see it i was it. there i was i wanted
0: to save that for the pod i wanted to text you immediately <laughs> but yeah so i feel like i'm all caught up and it was it was beautiful and um
1: oh that's so good
0: uh, She's. Uh, I, I think just this is such a perfect role for Ann Dowd. Um, I, I think that, you know, I'm thinking about all these characters and like, what stage of grief are you? And not really in the stages of like, you know, anger, denial, all those, you know, what we know grief to be, but like, um, processing grief, I guess. And I feel like Reed Bernie is at like the very start of it because he hasn't yet, or Mm -hmm. at least he's, he's not really willing to, do that uh that's like a clumsy way of saying it and and martha's on the other hand or, or gail rather she's the one that's probably closest to getting out of it i guess and 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 Anne and jason are somewhere in the middle i guess um, yeah yeah a lot of, of anger of and
1: sadness yeah. and yeah yeah um,
0: mm-hmm. and <sighs> So much of this, I want to say, I wish I had, I wish I had the the chance to see this twice. Um, I should have made an effort to do it because I want to see it again and I will see it again. Um, But she's at the top of her game. There is like no question that she will be nominated for an Oscar. I, I think, you know, according to Gold Derby and what I'm seeing, like she's, her and Kirsten Dunst are kind of at the top of the um who would have ever thought Oddly <laughs> enough, I know, this is, I know. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Um, I oh god, I mean there I don't know what the monologue was even about, but there's there's that one monologue I call it like the hands, the arms up in the air. It's like she's sort of like surrendering to them and I I, I don't even remember what she was talking about, but it is a talking through tears moment. She cries the most, I feel, during this movie. Like she emotionally. Does. And like there are I mean there are just shots of her there's one where it's like kind of peeking over like Gail's shoulder, but it's like on Reed Bernie and mm-hmm. you see like Anne just have a single tear fall down her face. I'm like <laughs> Oh I know. It's, it is unbelievably Again, I I I'm I'm struggling for words here. I mean, I I kind of anticipated this like we can go on and be hyperbolic about like this is, you know, it, it I think it is. I can say this confidently. It is her best work. Um, yeah. without question. Yeah.
1: And and as I said at the top of the episode, yeah, it's hard to even go into detail cuz it's like even I me having seen it twice, I'm like, "Oh, I have to see it again cuz she does get a lot of like it's interesting. One when, when she enters, you know, we talk a lot about like when the BSA enters and she comes in holding that little planter that she made oh my for Gail. And there's just this kind of shuffling quality that she has and she's got this yes. like you know, this big kind of like gingham scarf wrap thing. And there's just this yes. real muted quality about her, this sort of uh, it it's uh, oh, fragile, but not, you know what I mean? Like uh, fragile, but, uh, but surprisingly not like, uh, something that looks like a thin piece of glass, but if you drop it, it doesn't break, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she brings these flowers, which I feel like are are such a fun little, like gag in the beginning because they're sitting in the, middle, in the middle of the table when they start to talk. And then Jay's like, sorry, just while we're talking, can we just move these out of the way? And yep. there's, there's a little, I can't remember when it is, but there's a moment and when we see it again, we'll point it out. But there's a moment, I think, about the flowers where, like, I think it's after he says that, and then Linda goes, oh, yeah, no, sure, sure. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she goes to move them. And then Jay kind of looks at Gail, and then Gail kind of just does this, like, hmm kind of face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's There's just little nonverbal communication that is just so funny. Um, mm-hmm. And that I I just, like, those are the things I'm looking forward to watching this again. But... Uh, You know, with Linda, I agree with you. I think it is, it is the best I've ever seen Ann Dowd. I think it is such a powerful performance. I love, you know, that her anger is bubbling underneath. Because there's at one point where she starts to get heated with Jay. And she's like... Oh, I love that. Yeah. I was like, keep... Going. Yeah, she's like, what would you like us to say? Really, I ask you, what would you like us to do? Um, mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, fuck. Like That's what I really love about Linda is like, oh, God. It, it Her anger is probably the scariest if, if it really came out. But, yeah, you know, it's funny, as they were all then like, you know, it, we got the climactic speech from Gail, which we're going to talk about and everything, and then, you know, everyone was leaving, and I was just like, oh, wow, Anne was great in this. And I just... I'm just left leaving, feeling like, oh, I just wish I got a little bit more. And then there she was in that last scene. And, <sighs> you know, I have a story I'd like to tell. That monologue, I have chills thinking about that monologue and the way her voice breaks when she was like, you know, then go on, you know, then hit whatever the line was. But the way that she starts to break, that moment, oh, my God. And then, ah, Ugh! and then I Gail know, gives I her know. that fucking hug and I just I, ev- both times I saw it I was like I can't even I can't pull it together at all right now no, it,
0: there's no way you can I was crying through my mask oh yeah <laughs> it, it's
1: such um, and, and the thing that kills me the most is that in the middle of the hug Linda starts to pull away and then Gail pulls her closer and I was <sighs> like you bitch you bitch I can't I believe you did that ugh It. I just. It's so beautiful. It is such an amazing moment, and, you know, and she's like, I just wanted a chance to share a story, and you know, and then she pulls herself together, and I will, I will always think about the way that she exits this movie, Mm -hmm. the way that she just kind of stumbles out. It's yeah. Oh, I'm just oh, it, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible, and I. I'm so grateful that you know this. This movie gave us that. That that Fran yeah. Kranz thought to like give us that final moment because I, when they left, I was like, oh god, I just want them to hug so bad and yes, yes, you know. And I thought we were gonna be just kind of left with the unspoken and the unhugged, and then it was just a double hug. Ugh.
0: It it truly was a gift. I gasped. <laughs> like yeah. almost pretty loud in the theater. I was like, oh, I can't believe we're getting, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe she's back in yeah. there. And I knew something was going to happen. I didn't really know that. And and to really have it like exceed my expectations of like a talking through tears, cathartic moment, because, you know, one thing that we haven't really discussed too. And like, and I guess this is kind of the the pinnacle of that is just mom's, and, yeah and what moms feel for their kids and how how different it is for a mother and for mm-hmm. a mother to take responsibility in a way and and to feel that, even going back to the very beginning of how Linda felt like she had to sort of lead the conversation, you know, with mm-hmm. the flowers, and she was like, well, why don't I mean the showing of the pictures? We didn't even talk about that, but I think we can yeah. maybe save that for martha um. I, I just feel like there's this like motherly responsibility, I guess, um, for for everything. And the, the fact that we got that and the fact that that Gail knew and like the way that Linda knew and, and, and I think it's um, I don't know who says it. And I'm going to fumble with the line, too. It's like we just miss them something like that Mm -hmm. it's like we miss our boys or something like that and i was just like yeah when it like take everything away from the situation like they just miss their boys and it is beautiful and cathartic and heartbreaking and all at the same time it is (sighs) it's these women (laughs) these
1: women i mean that's definitely what this movie at the heart of it is about it's about these mothers and it's about this moment that that as much as there's this thing that Jay wants from Richard, that Linda wants from Richard, that Gail wants, they all want, you know, it's realizing that that's kind of the decoy, is -hmm. getting rich, like Richard, it's blood from a stone, and what's the point, you know? Yeah. But I think it's this moment of like, of true, like, not just forgiveness, but like, I think here, like, Linda and his, it's so interesting how Linda talks about, you know, I, I, I didn't get to grieve with everybody else, you know? Oh, and let's go into that. Yes. Yeah. And Please. like, we, yes. like someone made the joke about we were the loneliest people in the world and like, and it's true. And there'd be the memorial for 10 people, but for me it was 11. And, you know, I, and I think that that, you know, that moment in the end of sharing with Gail, you know, he, he was in some kind of rage and told me to get the fuck out of his room or he was going to beat the shit out of me. And, and I was afraid. And like, she was, I think as much as possible, trying to kind of admit to Gail that I see, and, and to Jay. And I think there's a lot of things she's saying, but there's one thing she's saying. is like, I recognize, I see him in some way, the same way that you see him. Like I saw the disturbed teenager and that's what you see. And that's what Jay is so frustrated by is why isn't Richard seeing that? And in her own way, she's admitting that I saw him and mother to mother, I got scared and I have to carry that. And I think then Gail hugging her, it was like, we, you know, we all got to sit with shit that we wish we didn't have to sit with. I, so I can forgive you because I can empathize, you
0: know? Oh, God, it's it's just so good. Like even just listening to you, like recap it, too. I I just think so much of what. And I love that the way that it happened, because Linda couldn't say that in the room, not with Richard there. No, it's like he he was the gatekeeper. He was like the emotional gatekeeper. And like, even though they're separated and it's six years later, I just feel like she fell right back into that same habit with him of like, you know, but they both kind of said it, like, he'll say, like, Gail, don't. Or Richard, you know, it, it's just like these little mm-hmm. nitpicky things of, like, really coming out with the truth of, like, we we suspected some of this, and we knew, and we were aware. But, yeah. you know, and, and Richard would never say that. And I think he, he's just kind of, that, maybe that was the hold that he had over Gail, or excuse me, Linda, during all of this, and ultimately what really brought them uh, you know, separated them, I suppose.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you see how much he's withholding from Jay and Gail. Yeah. And I can only imagine, you know, whenever I tell people, when I, I saw my mom a few weeks ago and I told her about this movie and, I you know, gave her the synopsis, she was like, oh, God, oh. And I was like, yeah, but it's so good. And she was just like, oh, that's, that's a nightmare. And it's like, when you think about it, it's like Linda and Gail, and, you know, each of these sets of parents is navigating such a complex nightmare. But I think for Linda, her son is dead and her son is guilty, you know? And so like, there's like the, it's, I almost feel like no one, even Richard isn't letting or didn't let Linda mourn the way that she needed. I feel like she never got the opportunity to mourn, with anybody or openly. And then it became like, you know what you could and couldn't say legally. And I feel like Richard in this situation, it's like, he's the lawyer in the room. And when he's finally gone, Linda is able to just be honest with Jay and Gail. And it's just like, I'm so relieved for all three of them, you know?
0: Yeah. We don't, we often don't see, you know, and it's not that I like seek this out either too, but like, you don't really think about, even the fact that um linda and richard's son was a victim you know that they Mm -hmm. like because he was the one who did it but i mean he's a victim of you know mental health and and and, uh you know just they tried to get him help too it's not like they didn't do anything at all um and and maybe in like a lesser like a, a movie that was not written so well like the dynamic between linda and richard you know i picture like a scene at their house like I need to talk about this and you just won't talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. I'm sure that happened at first, maybe, and maybe that's kind of the overarching problem. But I, I think that Richard to maybe I almost said sympathize with him too, is like what is there to talk about? You know, at its core. Yeah. Like what, what what can we say? What can but again that's just showing his resilience to really unpacking it, I guess.
1: And I get that. Like, it's almost yeah. like, what, what, do, what do we even want to talk about? Where do we even begin? You know, what I mean, like, I think that's, uh, I think that's so real. That's something that be can become so overwhelming to talk about. That Richard just goes right to the place of like, well, like any question that comes up in this conversation, he's like, it's all in the documents. It's all in the reports. Like, yeah. you know, it's all been covered. What more is there to say? And it's, it's all of this and and i think it's what linda admits at the end is like what there was to say was like there was some hint that there was something wrong and i think sometimes that is what grief is about and forgiveness is about is like when possible can you make sense of it all you know like especially when it's a like a tragedy like this like i think when somebody commits suicide or when there's murder or mm-hmm. something like that it it's such a jarring Change from what your day to day is. It's such a, it changes the fabric of your reality so drastically yeah. that I think part of the forgiveness process is like, I need to intellectually, as much as possible, be able to make this make sense so that my reality can come back to form again. You, does that make sense? Where it's just like, I have to be able to put the pieces together so that I like know what reality even is.
0: Yeah. I guess another word is just like blame, especially Mm -hmm. for Jay. Like I need you. It's like taking responsibility, but I, I don't know what else to do besides blame you at this point. But it's like forgiveness is really the only thing that will wash away the blame, or at least that instinct to blame because you you're searching for that answer or explanation. And, you know, even in the like them talking about or uh, uh, Jason, or uh, sorry, not Jay or Jason Isaac. yeah, but Jay talking about those brain scans and like, do you know about this? And like, it, it just even with that like thirty seconds of um, dialogue there, you know that that's absolutely what he is just like drenched himself in is research and like how, mm-hmm. because that's th- that and like these talks and going out and talking about gun control. It's like it's like you, it's probably obsessive at that point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that'll make it make sense. And yeah. after
0: six years, I mean, I think the timeline in this is so important. I was talking to Keon about it earlier. He's like, Oh, it's six years later. I thought it was like right after it. But I think that's that's not I almost said that's not the movie we wanna see. We wanna see we wanna see six years later. We wanna see how this is still affecting everyone and that they can actually sit down and have a quote unquote like rational conversation about this that it's it's important that it, it's able to just stay and like evolve and see where they are after all that time
1: yeah i think if it was just a movie of people yelling at each other it'd be like well what's the point you know like yeah. this is indulgent yeah. you know whereas there's a forward motion here which i think does bring us to martha plimpton and and yeah. that because she is so restrained through so much of the movie and uh, you know even more than reed Bernie at some points and that she is all but reactive acting throughout so much of it and she's this simmering pot that like is you know almost boils over almost boils over but not quite and you're just like waiting for it to happen and you know going into this movie i was you know i i I was familiar with all four of them and obviously Had high expectations and was not disappointed at all by Ann Dowd. I was familiar with Reed Bernie and he's great in this and seen Jason Isaacs. Like, basically, the point being, I was Jason Isaacs probably surpassed my expectations. I've never seen him this good. But there was some sense of like, I had a, uh, of what to expect. I, my takeaway, especially the second time around watching this, is like Martha Plimpton. Damn near runs away with this movie. I yeah. mean, it's remarkable watching her in this like it's just it, like it it's just so and when she gets that final speech and but really even before that like the story like when she's telling the story about um Evan is that name Evan you know when he when he's yeah. playing baseball and he gets really dirty and then he comes home and um and just kind of like the way that she recounts that story and like kind of fully relives it and and then just breaks into this place of like i i just i think i'm ready i think i'm i'm ready to forgive you like we just we have to and like the i think there's something fascinating about the desperation of forgiveness so many times we see people talk about it or arrive at it begrudgingly And here we see someone who is just like, oh God, I have to do it. I have to just forgive you. I have to make this happen. We have to move into forgiveness. I can't feel this way anymore. And I think that's, especially after six years, I think that's where that six years thing is really powerful. Is like, this isn't rushed. It's just like, I'm ready now. And it's been about being ready to say it out loud that I forgive you because that's gonna, it's gonna make it real. And I just, I think that that's, the idea that the, that Martha Plimpton will not—that Anne and Martha will not walk away with every award humanly possible is just baffling to me. This is—this is just really I, the perform. performance—I'm just obsessed. I'm obsessed with Martha Plimpton in this movie, honestly. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah, everything that you're saying and more. I, I, I was— I think in a way too, because yeah, it's Martha and we love her and she's, you know, raising hope and the Goonies mm-hmm. and yeah. like she's a Broadway gal. And like, I, I didn't know that this was inside of her. I didn't know that this, this, it is like Kramer versus Kramer, Meryl Streep at the elevator, like mm-hmm. notes in that last monologue, like the, the, how she cries and how I know it's such a simple word to say, but how real it feels. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was in awe of her. It is like, it's like, it is transcendent, like from the moment, not even like in the car, but like once they get there and, and going back to these pictures and it's like, again, and as Linda is sort of leading, I guess that was something they talked about. Like, let's, mm-hmm. l- I don't know why though. I don't know why they would want to bring pictures of like their sons and to, I what, think it's, what exercise is that? Like, what is that, you know? I guess
1: it makes it more, re- makes it humanized and more real of like, I oh, guess. instead of just seeing Ethan or Evan, I'm forgetting the kids' names, and but instead of seeing them as victims or, or suspects or murderers, it's like, yeah. here he was at three years old before any of this was, you know, a reality. And and I could see how that would give a, a broader image. It's interesting how, both Linda and Gail have these like memories of their kids that they eventually get to talk about and yeah and the the pictures and the memories are meant to humanize their kids and the story that yeah. Linda ends up telling is certainly way less heartwarming but it indeed does humanize her son as well like it gives some some explanation and so i think that's what all of this was about was as well as like Richard is so caught up in the, in the numbers and victim and the, and this victim and that police report and whatnot. And I yep. think, you know, that includes his son and that includes their son. And I think Linda and Gail in particular are, and Jay are more focused on like them as, as human beings.
0: Yeah. There is something, I mean, w- once they sit down at the table and the pictures come out too, there is, there is a moment, and I hope I didn't imagine it, but I, I do feel like it, it does happen, where, you know, she gets to the baby picture, I think, is that that's when she really has to, like, stop. Mm-hmm. And she's so upset that, like, her her sweater, like, the material on her sweater, like, on her chest, like, just below her neck starts to tremble a bit. It's not in the hands. It is, like, her mm. entire body And I was like, how did, how do you do that? How do you do that? It is something that you see in like real life. It is not something you see on film. It is, she does things in this movie, like you you mentioned before with her and Jay, um, these nonverbal cues that they give each other too. But like, there are plenty that are just by herself that they capture. And I was like, oh my God, like... Fran Kranz. It sounds like a cartoon name, but I know it's not. And I, I just have, because he wrote and directed this and he's 40 years old and I just am in awe of him. I, I I do feel like we have to, you know, have that conversation at at least at one point too, that like I, I, I like what they chose to kept and to keep, excuse me. And the fact that he is a Broadway guy, he was like in uh, he was in like death of a salesman on Broadway and, and something else I think I read. And that this, movie feels like a play even though it's not i thought that so many times i was like oh i'm sure this was a play before you know or it could be adapted and it definitely could be but there's so many like the intimacy of this movie it would it would all be lost in a theater unless it was like in the round you know what i mean like i just don't know if it would work that way but i love that those elements are incorporated uh in in a way i feel like judy and anthony and kendra are like the um you know they're the stagehands. They're setting setting up the show, and th- they set the stage literally and sort of figuratively, I guess, like in this room for for the, all the drama to happen. And then it's like they they go off stage and they're behind the scenes, and it I, I just I just love that it has that feel because it it works so well.
1: I yeah I think it's interesting thinking of this as like it could so easily be a stage play and even the first time Mm -hmm. i saw it i kept thinking about how this would work as a stage play and yet i'm so glad it's a movie because we get the close-ups and we get the purposeful angles and like uh there's just we get the intentionality we see the tears we get you know just different shots that highlight certain things that i just think like oh i'm so glad i get to see this up close and um, I think the blocking is so purposeful, and like I agree, if they were to do this, it would have to be in the round because there's just it's such in the round blocking, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, with with Martha, I think the the I know this is a minute detail, but the raspy voice did everything for me. It that's just, what it was. Yes. Go. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. I just I think it's it's that it was just the in the same way like the way that that she's dressed. I mean, like. I was thinking about, like, what a dark Halloween costume. Like, a couples two couples could go as Jay and Gail and Linda as Richard. And <laughs> yes. Linda's holding the bucket. And Gail's got the blue sweater and the white coat. And Jay's got the dirty sneakers. And Richard's in a suit. Like, if I saw two couples dressed as the two couples in in, in mass, I... <laughs> <laughs> Don't know and if they had two friends playing, you know, Judy and Kendra and, and with and, and the plants, and, yes, the plant at the party. Yes. Oh my God. I would have lost my marvels. But, you know, I it's all of those little details. Like I just with with Gail, it's like even her hair. I just felt like I just mm-hmm. I I'm so fixated on like how I can tell who Jay and Gail were. You know? Yeah. Uh, yep. and I think the casting is really smart there again because We've seen Jason Isaacs as this like dashing hot guy in all these other movies, and we know Martha Plimpton. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people know her from like Goonies or from TV, and so there is a sense of like, as if we did know who they were before we saw them in this movie. You know?
0: Yeah i i I feel like it is. Um... In a way, I was like thinking today, I was like, would I have loved to seen like Gail light a cigarette outside? Yes, but I'm in a way, I'm glad I didn't see it. Does she smoke? Maybe. We don't know. Like, it's just like these things that like you could easily categorize them as, you know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. I, I love that she we don't see any of that. But the rasp, her like her mouth, the way that she talks, the way that she like. It's like she almost has to like it's like her mouth is like zipped and it's like yeah. these tight, like thin lips. And it, it's like it, it kind of is just like prohibiting her from like saying anything. And it works well because that's that is her whole game. Like in the first like hour and 45 minutes of this movie is like she again, it's like the the, the lid comes off the pot and then she kind of just like goes back to it's almost muttering, but it's not.
1: Yeah, and, and I like that when the lid comes off, it's interesting how it's it's a little bit less directed at Linda and Richard and more at Jay of like what she really needs to say is that we need to forgive them. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how she's saying like, you know, I'm ready to... Like at the beginning of the movie, she's like, you know, we have a plan. and it's And I wonder what his understanding of the plan was because I feel like by the end, it's as if she kind of like ropes him in of, like, this isn't just for me. Like, we have to move on. I need you to move on, too, with me, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, thinking about the end of this movie, because, I, again, I think this ultimately all becomes, you know, about Gail and Linda, but primarily about Gail. But I love at the end when they can hear the choir rehearsing upstairs and Jay starts mm-hmm. to cry, you know, and, like, I feel like Gail is kind of the the anchor in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Jay mm-hmm. starts to break, but Gail, I guess maybe to your point of where they are in the grief cycle, I feel yeah. like that he's been moved into sadness or into depression or maybe just yeah. sadness, you know, and she has been moved into, you know, it, it, the angelic voices as she ascends in forgiveness, you know what I mean? Like yes. there is that element, but I think that's really true is that she, and I love that. And I'm, I'm all here for the religious concept that like Gail achieves a certain enlightenment. I, I don't know. I guess there's a, I'm with Judy and that there's kind of a comfort in that. Like I am not uncomfortable with the idea that there could be some spiritual shift happening right now, even metaphorically or mostly metaphorically. I don't think it's really happening, you know, like a a, a religious miracle in real life, but you know what I mean? Like, that there's some symbolism that like Gale has achieved, you know, that that sort of Christian enlightenment.
0: Yeah, I think it's I'm I'm gathering my thoughts too, but I Jay like I think very clearly states at the beginning that he's he's not religious, like and you know, he he get he's the first to sort of get up and walk around and get a bottle of water mm-hmm. and 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 maybe at the end that there is a a possibility that that's maybe what could bring him through all this, like the way that he looks up at the music. It's like mm. what I would love to know what is in his head, because I feel like, you know, with uh, I think of like 12 step programs, there has to be some sort of higher power. And I, I wonder if it's a similar in any sort of like grief counseling, you know, uh, of, mm-hmm. of you have to find what that is and that's what that moment was kind of saying to me it's like it's not like he's going to walk up and say i think i'll join the choir it's but right. i think that there's there is like a reconciliation there is a uh, i guess a curiosity maybe of of how that could be or he's just really going through it and he happens to be looking up the stairs but it's an, it has to be intentional in i way. think it is i think yeah. it
1: i think there's a sense that like he has gone this like you know, doing all of the quote-unquote right things and doing the talks and doing the research. Like, he's he's kind of tried to find his own enlightenment. And I think it's not so much, like, a strict, like, Christian thing, but I think it's to your point, this higher power thing and that, like, part of forgiveness is handing over all of those feelings. Like, I think so much about forgiving somebody is, like, I have to Surrendering. Let, yeah, I have to surrender, yeah. like... I have been the prison guard making sure that you stay in the prison because so long as you're in the prison, then justice is being served. But what you don't realize as the prison guard is that you're also in prison when you're in a, when you're a prison guard, you know? And so it's, it's kind of like by me leaving the prison, it no long, A, I'm freeing myself and B, it no longer, my life and my, happiness no longer depends on whether or not you're in that jail or not. And I I think that that's, I think that's what, and I think that takes a real, like a lot of trusting something unseen, you know, it's a real trust fall and a real, just a leap. And um, I think religion or spirituality creates a structure around that, that helps you understand that process or work through that process in a way that is, um, has steps and is practical, you know?
0: Yeah, and I love the, you know, the, the total polar opposite of what we've been shown or what he sort of put his faith and quotes into is the research, the science um, of how, like the medical background of how the brain works and, and, and that's all he's known and to sort of set, the, and, and it didn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. It, yeah. It's not going to work. Um, And so he has to sort of search for a new, a new route, really, and maybe that's it, and that's kind of a beautiful ending for him too. I mean, I, I just there is so much of this that's like sort of like I have such doubt, <laughs> you know. Like oh, at the I end know. of that, they, yeah. they were on a bench together. You know, that's he would just fall into um, Gail's lap and just weep. But I'm glad. We, I'm glad it wasn't a weeping moment. I'm glad it was like it was definitely tears, but it was. I don't know. It just it it, it was. Uh, it was really fascinating to watch
1: yeah like they just they just took each other's hands and i think after six years of facing this nightmare i feel like they don't have to do that big like dramatic embrace or that big moment i feel like for gail and jay to take each other's hands like they're at the point where like everything is said, you know? <laughs> like I think yes. that's what's so fascinating about them is, and all of the nonverbal communication is that like they, again, I think this is one of the most interesting marriages I've ever seen in a movie. Like it yeah. just, I can't believe how familiar they feel. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and I'm just so, I'm so glad that they, ha- I'm a, I'm so glad that they have each other at the end. And B, I'm so glad that Linda is not stuck with Richard. But of course my heart breaks for Linda because I feel like she I don't know who she has, you know?
0: Yeah. This is this is like such a side note, but I just have to say this because I think it, it's funny. Um Linda and Gail are also the names of Linda Belcher and Gail Belcher and Bob oh, Burgers. Oh god. Like Gail Gail Yeah, I don't know why. that made me it just oh, made me wow. laugh just thinking wonder... about it. But yeah. yeah, cause Gail's played by Megan Mullally and she's like that Gail, the character is like insufferable in Bob's burgers, but she's funny. And uh, you know, we all know Linda Belcher, but I, I just had to say that uh, as it popped into my head, but I think, I think Linda has Gail now. Yeah. In some strange twisted turn of events that's, mm-hmm. you know, even, I don't was it said the first time, the first goodbye when Reed Bernie was like, I gotta go? That, He's, um, yeah, mm-hmm. there, there was something about like, you know, keep in touch, you know, like, was that, was it during that when Gail said that? I think there like was. Afterward, the second time.
1: I think it was, uh, I think it was before they left the room. They were like, well, you know, certainly, you know, uh, keep in touch, you know, yeah, um, it, it was just, and it was sort of that thing of like, what would we keep in touch about? Like at that point it was like, what would we keep in touch about? But I think now, and it's interesting because I think we learn earlier and you know, Gail admits that she wrote to Linda a lot. She's like, I wrote you too much. And Linda was like, "No, no, no. And so I think now it's like, they already have that. I agree. I think Linda and Gail have each other. I think there will be letters. There will be visits. There will be phone calls. Like, uh, Oh, thank yeah, God. Yeah, she's
0: not coming over for the 4th of July, but I feel no. like they will, they might call each other because they are yeah. both mothers who lost their sons. Like, again, kind of erasing everything of like how that happened. They will forever be bonded by this tragedy. Yeah. And that that's, I don't know, the thread that connects them, I guess, in some strange way.
1: Yeah, in some way, they like, it's this is such a weird thing to connect it to but it's the only thing i can think of is Mm -hmm. on drag race when they talk about like no one else will know what this filming the season was like except the other people in the room and there's just something specific about that of like even in a really awful situation there's that thing of like i don't have to explain anything you know you you know like you you already know and um, get that out of the way yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in f- part of forgiveness, I it, I don't think this is necessary always. I think you can forgive someone and never see them again. But I think for Gail, it makes sense that part of her forgiveness process is an evolving relationship with Linda.
0: I think so, too. And one thing we didn't mention as well, that, that this is not just, you know, Linda and Richard's um, son, like, he killed more than just Gail and Jay's son. Like, there are, there are multiple families that, yeah. uh, you know, have that, you know, going back to that whole idea of, like, they couldn't even find anyone to bury their son. This is Richard, Richard mm-hmm. and Linda. And how, you know, the, there were 11 victims or, you know, and not 10. And what they've probably gone through in addition to, like, everything that Jay and um, Gail is saying to them they've they've received it you know nine more times uh probably right. from other other families and extended families and friends and how i i can't imagine it i can't and, and 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 really just like i think at the end too for linda is like i i can't remember how it's like brought up but she's like i i feel like i can't say i love my son or something do you remember that it was like this like i i don't know like Yeah, I I remember there was a sentiment.
1: I think that's a running sentiment for her. It's like, I I feel like I'm not allowed to love him. But like he was, she does say like he was my son. I miss him, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, and I think what, you know, she's saying is like when you think of your son and you think of this like, you know, sweet, innocent kid, like that's what I see. That's what I remember. And like, and it's even harder probably for Linda because it's like, well, that's what I remember and then he veered so far from that. At least I mean this is awful to say, but like, you know, Jay and Gail's son, he never veered away from who he was. You know, like yeah, that innocence is preserved, whereas Linda has to deal with the fact that like, oh, I I I don't even know if I'm allowed to remember him fondly, you know?
0: Yeah, it was such an I mean, again, this is because of the writing too, but like I it's these characters seem so real that like it was such a great tactic for Linda to ask Gail about a memory. Tell me any memory. Like, cause it could have easily gone so South and it led to it. Like it led to forgiveness. It, It led to like, just, and, I don't know. It's like, I don't, did Gail learn that in therapy? Like, who told her to say that, besides the fact that it was in the script? Like, because it did seem... I, I, I braced myself as I was watching. I was like, why is she doing this? Why is she saying this Oh, I that? know. This is, this is not going to work well. But it, it did.
1: Yeah, because at that point, I think Gail was saying, like, I feel like I failed him. Like, I was going to make sure that yes. his memory wasn't, you know... Uh, his life mattered. That, that, yeah. I, that he mattered, That there, that he was honored in some way, and I just... I, I just don't, I don't feel like I've done that. Like, and, and it's like, and how do you even do that? People say that all the time. Like yeah. something happens. Well, I'm going to make sure that no one forgets who you are and there's a legacy. And like the reality is people die every fucking day. Yeah. So everyone can't leave a worldwide legacy, you know, but Linda is making this perfect point of like, this is it. You remembering him, like you, you know, keeping these memories alive. Like that's it. Like that's, that's all you have to do you know Mm -hmm. like that's that that's what it means to honor somebody um you don't have to you do everything jay has done you know that's also part of what jay has done is like by being this public figure in terms of gun control and school shootings and doing the the talks and the research it's his way of honoring his son's memory you know and i could see gail being like i don't even know how to honor his memory like what am I supposed to do and how are we supposed to honor anyone's memory? And I think it's just about, you know, remembering them, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, telling good, telling stories about them. And that's why I think like, I love when funerals and like mem- memorials include funny stories. Cause yes. I think that's, that's what this is about. Like, that's what this is all about. Those are the, like, those are the things you are going to remember. And, um, we see that in hacks and that in the, when, When uh, Deborah shows up at the at her father's funeral, and she's like, "Who has a memory of him?" and like gets people talking about funny memories about him, because like that's that's the whole point of this. And I I love that there's a sort of Wizard of Oz quality of like you've had the ruby red slippers all along. Like you have your memories of him. That's you've had you've been honoring him all along. You know?
0: Yeah. Yes. 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 I am (sighs) concerned. That Martha is not getting as much buzzes. Like, I, I, I know. know, I wanna say that I shared, you know, the, 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 like to the fullest extent of how upset you were about Tony Collette and Hereditary. And I, but I, you know, at the same time, I, I didn't come into it through the same lens as you did. So mm-hmm. it's, to, you have Tony, but I, I, I just, I can't fathom. Her not getting nominated for an Oscar, I really honestly can't fathom her not winning. But I don't think that it's gonna happen. Question mark. I, I I just is it is it just a Julianne Nicholson? Like is it just like okay, it's early, Nick. Like don't worry, Gold Derby's and Gold Derby's not the end all be all. But like they have their finger on the pulse, and I just don't know. I think and part why? Of, why? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think part of it is like there, it's just the sheer number. I feel like it's just the sheer number of performances and movies, and fucking Belfast is going to win everything. I mean, I, I know, just, I know. I'm sure Belfast is great. I'm just like, oh, you're shutting my girls out. But, um, and I lead think,
0: actress is tough this year. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, yeah. that,
1: that's exactly the point. Is I, I think it's really, really tough. And it, like, I think, again, like, we've said this a thousand times, and it, this is clear proof of it that, like, the Oscars do not represent the best performances of the year because I'm with yeah. you, Tony Collette and Hereditary, Hereditary. Please make room for Martha Plimpton in Mass as just like the performance that is not going to get recognized as the best performance of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, listeners. Like I, I don't. <sighs> I don't know. It's because it, it's, it's not Anne. Like if this was Anne, you know, there's so much bias because we love her so much anyway, too. But this is just right. me going into a movie. It's like how I felt about Monique and Precious. It is like even more so. I was like, I can't believe we get to witness this. And how lucky are we to like watch this actress give us everything she possibly could in this movie? I I can't stop thinking about it. I, yeah. I, I want to just, I, and that's probably how you felt about Tony. It's like, I, does everyone know that this exists? And like right now it's sort of, you know, not a lot of people are talking about, they're they're more, they're more talking about Anne. And would I be happy with, I, I mean, Anne Dowd being a Best Supporting Actress Oscar winner. Oh it is our, it is our dream. Yeah. It is our dream. But it's like at the cost of Martha Plimpton not even getting nominated. Um, It is, it's, it's yeah. tricky. It's tricky. It's very I agree. Tricky, and I'm agree. nervous and I won't stop thinking about it until like the nominations come out. But I'm I'm hoping we get a Julianne Nicholson story. But, but, but I guess in a way we were talking about earlier, too, like, should she be in the lead category? Because if she's not. I mean, if she is, I guess it's like, you know, Jessica Chastain and Kristen Stewart and like all in. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's very upsetting. But, of course, these are first world problems. I'm fretting over something that doesn't even, <laughs> like, truly kind of matter. But it does matter. This is this is our life. This is what we're talking about on the podcast today. And yeah. it be for a while.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully they will, you know, in terms of as the award season begins, they will stay in the conversation. Um, but, I mean, I am so glad that we could at least have a conversation about them. And of course we yeah. are, you know, maybe we won't say anything yet, but we will be seeing mass again soon in a couple we of weeks. Yes. So we will have more to say from there. Yeah.
0: I want to keep that a secret. I think it's, yeah. it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. So we, so this will not be the last mass episode. Certainly. I mean, I mean like watch out Marina Moreno award for excellence. Cause like, you know, yeah. Mass is coming it's, for you.
0: She's a shoe in for the Weston, I'll tell you that.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I am so happy that we have both seen Mass now. and We can be <laughs> mass holes. We can be masochists. We can just, uh, yes. yes, we can worship at the altar of Fran.
0: Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's like, what is this episode that's like, I feel like if it was a friend's episode, it'd be like the one about mass, you know? Oh
1: yeah. I'm planning to call this the mass episode.
0: Yes. I, yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. I agree. Um, well that being said, you know, we're being played off. So, uh, uh you know, pfft, enough of that. Uh, before yeah. we scoot on over to the best supporting after show, papers be peeled. Where can folks find more of you?
0: Uh, they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which you happen to be a guest on this <gasps> week, Colin. Oh, my and God. We had such a gay old time. It was oh. so much fun. So if you are so inclined, if you are a Barefoot Contessa fan or just love hearing Colin and I queen out about East Hampton, <laughs> go over to The Good Vanilla and have a listen. Um, it was it was fun. It was a good time. Oh,
1: my God. It was it was so good, so but yeah. I'll I'll just second all of that,
0: um, and uh, and of course you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at nikita
1: And you? of course you can find more of me on my other two podcasts, All Right Mary, talking about Dragula and Drag Race and Drag Drag Drag, and you can find me in the Details, a celebration of nuance, and you can get me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us in a
0: best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA at gmail.com. Well, now that your peepers
1: are peeled, keep them that way because the best supporting after show is coming tomorrow. And even with everything we had to say this week about mass, we have even more to say about more things. So, yeah. I, like, you know, there's mass. And then there's going to Dunkin' Donuts afterwards. So, tomorrow,
0: Dunkin' Donuts. Go see Mass, everyone. Those are my last words.
1: And go see Mass. And that, as they say,
0: is that.